Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're welcoming you to episode 127 of the Almighty Podcast. In the month of March, which is our highest downloaded score slash numbers month of all time ever, again. Yeah, we keep hitting those records, man, and it is awesome. And it's all because of you right now, whoever you are listening. We appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, we... We don't know how we got here. I mean, yeah. Adam pulled up the numbers right before we, because I was like, yeah, I think we hit a new high score. And he looked and his, his verbatim reaction was, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like we just do this for fun. So the, the fact that this many people are having this much fun with us, absolutely love it. It's incredible. Yeah. We've had some, uh, some additional iTunes reviews uh, for both. Uh, AMP and Kyo Cinema. We're not, we're no longer the only two to five star reviews for Kyo Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I noticed that Kyo Cinema is up as well. I think it's having some, uh, some pretty good positive numbers, which is awesome. Like, eventually we'll get back there. We'll do that at some point in time. Yeah, the one we haven't touched in six months is also growing somehow. Um, but yeah, you guys that are listening, it's, it's all because of y'all, because we're just, you know, recording and editing and putting it out there and not really doing much else with it. So and like no one's stopping us. They just let us. Do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but and then we've also had a lot of extra people uh, pop into the discord, which has been great. We even have one new we'll get to Quirkles at the end of the episode, but we did have a brand new uh, addition to the uh, discord hop in on the Quirkles game. So that was. Yes, fun. that's awesome. That's awesome. But I, I do want to go ahead, I'm going to call this our, our mullet episode, business in the front, party in the back, uh, mostly because before we get into uh, the meat and potatoes of AMP, uh, there were a couple things I wanted to touch on announcement-wise. Uh, the first being that uh, I will shortly be uh, a part of not one podcast, not two podcasts, but three podcasts, because the Back Patio Network, who hosts our Discord, has asked me to fill in uh, as a PC in their Age of Heroes 5e campaign that they do on Twitch on Monday nights at 9. Uh, and then they, like, you can sit there and watch it live, and then they put it out as audio later, and I think it's available on YouTube. And I get to go and play on that for a little while, so that sounds like fun. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. You're going to have a blast, man. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. It it requires my face to be on camera, and I've long said that I've got a face for radio. So, man, and I've been trying to get it Atkins on camera for years. Like, we're gonna, we want to do YouTube stuff. I say we. I'm gonna make him. Yeah, maybe maybe I, this is my entry point. You've kicked the door open. I I told Adam. I said I hesitated <laughs> to tell you that now I'm set up for a face cam because I know like and as, no sooner had I said the stuff about AOH that he was like, so when are we gonna start doing video stuff? And I was like, I knew you were gonna jump on that as soon as I said that I had. Uh, the setup for that stuff now but. Man, yeah i mean it's been a while since i've i've had time to touch my youtube channel just because of the move and everything but like i miss it i miss doing the youtube stuff a lot um and i've gotten like another video recorded as of today actually uh, i spent three minutes just doing a quick like comic unboxing a new comic i got in and i cannot wait to sit down and edit it uh but you know we got to get you up on the youtube sometime how about just my Last Ronin number one up on the channel. Have you still not gotten that back? It's not gotten... Well, so the thing is, is that's a magazine size, so those take forever. Uh, uh, they're not traditional comic size. So, like, got I've you. got, like, three magazine-sized comics out that have been out for... Gosh, I think you came back in July, didn't you? So it's been a while. It's Yeah, it's been a hot minute since, yeah, since we yeah. sent that off. Well, CGC, CGC. They're going to do their thing, man. Yeah, well, so anyway, Monday Night's 9, or you can just uh, search for Age of Heroes on your podcatcher of choice and be able to listen my voice elsewhere playing Dungeons & Dragons, so that seems kind of fun. Um, in addition to that, 
we have an addition to our giveaway. So we've been running a giveaway. We, I think we mentioned it last episode. I got some cool custom Dragon Shield card sleeves, a hundred of them to be exact. They're still shrink wrapped. I was really tempted to crack them open and look at them, but I'm not gonna. I want you guys to know that we, we got these things. I have kept my grubby hands off of them. We're gonna send them to you pack fresh. Uh, and in addition to that, in addition to the person who wins this, by doing nothing more or more complex or complicated, than sending me a DM on uh, on Discord or just shooting a DM to the Almighty Pod at Almighty Pod on Twitter. That's your entry. That's it. All you have to do is just say, "Hey, I'm here for the card sleeves or whatever," uh, and that's you're in. So uh, if you gain an entry and you only get one, even if you hit a, hit me up on both of those spaces, just one entry. Um, if you win, you get those card sleeves, and then I was approached by somebody in the discord um her name is ashley ashes she goes by ashley ashes xo and she was like hey i heard about your giveaway and i want to give you guys stuff to make it even better and i was like well what do you have in mind it turns out that she makes these resin cast coasters uh and she has a connection to jasco games so she gets the my hero tcg cards and you basically tell her, okay, here's the character that I want. And for me, I ordered some for myself, like outside of whatever she's going to give to whoever's, uh, whoever wins this contest. I ordered an Aizawa coaster and a stain coaster. Oh, and nice. she, she sent me the pictures of all the cards that she had and I got to pick them out and she cast these things in resin and ships them off to you. So if you win, um, you're going to get your choice of character in a coaster, one or two, um, and she'll ship those off to you for free, like care of Almighty Podcast, but done entirely on her own initiative. I thought that was super dope. That is super cool. Yeah, you absolutely got to go uh, check her stuff out. We'll put like links to this. Is there a store? I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I'll link her. She's got a Ko-Fi store, and I'll throw that link into the uh, the description. I'll probably put it. I should probably go ahead and put a link to like Back Patio Network's Twitch channel and uh, Age of Heroes if they've got an online presence. I'm not 100 percent sure, but if they do. Like if they have a website like we do for our podcast, and we'll we'll drop that in there as well, just so you can one-stop shop in the description for all the stuff that we're talking about. In addition to that addition to the contest, uh, one of our Discord members has started a podcast of his own. Um, he goes by Black Rain in our Discord, but his real name is Brian, and him and his longtime friend Nikki have started a podcast that may pique the interest of some of our listeners. It covers the long time running comic, like 30 year long comic, 300 issues, I think, uh, Gold Digger. Um, and his podcast is called the Gold Digger Comic Universe Review. They finally have gotten through volume one, which is like this little five issue miniseries that uh, was not available online. But now, starting with volume two, uh, they have, there's a website where all of these comics, all 300 of them are uh, digitally preserved and free. So if you want to go and read the comic and then listen to their commentary and coverage, you could do that. Um, if you're unfamiliar with what Gold Digger was, so was I. But he pitched it to me as saying it's a kind of a mix between Indiana Jones and Final Fantasy. And that was intriguing enough for me. Um, so I've been reading along, uh, since I've been able to, and, and listen to him, they really enjoy that content. It's very pop culture laden. Like the, the author likes borrowing a lot from other pop culture franchises and kind of weaving this stuff in and out of his own story. It's, it's quite a fun read. Uh, and they talk about it. They're very entertaining. They give me, they, they're longtime friends. So they have that vibe while they're communicating and it's hard to describe what that vibe is, but there's just a gel there to the way that they talk back and forth people say that we have it too um, oh i mean we do yeah people people hear us they know they get yeah it. 
So, uh, so that is again, the gold digger comic universe review. You'll hear the AMP come up, um, in their own discussions as well. Brian is a big fan of our podcast as well. So, uh, and then don't forget last bit of business. Uh, uh, so last bit of the business in the front. Um, we do have Twitter at almighty pod on Twitter. Uh, and then there you can visit the pinned tweet, click on a link, hop into the discord, find the hashtag almighty pod channel, uh, and join a bunch of a growing group of nerds talking about all things anime, not, not strictly my hero. Um, all sorts of stuff gets talked about all the time in there. It's a fantastic community and you should be a part of it. We want you there. Definitely. And like every once in a while, you might even see me in there. It's pretty wild. Sometimes that's when you (laughs) need to go buy a lotto ticket. If you, if, if uh, Adam is in the uh, almighty pod channel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, now that we're done with the business in the front, I feel like it is time to party in the back. Okay. So pulling the uh, curtain away for a moment for everyone that is listening. We are recording on Friday night. Typically, we record on Tuesday nights. However, this week, I was not able to because my Monday evening was insane. And last week, you got to tell a Fox story. This week, I'm telling a story. How does that sound? I will allow it. Okay, you'll allow it. So normally, I take notes like the night before we record because then everything's really nice and fresh, you know? And uh, so I was planning on taking notes that night, but I didn't get home until super late. And the reason I didn't get home until super late is because I've had this like bum knee for like a maybe four or five months now. It's been really hurting. And last weekend it locked up entirely. I couldn't extend it. It went away after I slept. So I was like, okay, I got to get this figured out. Like something's, something's got to move here. Right. So I've got an orthopedic uh, doctor appointment and I leave work early and I decided like, I don't want to drive my stick shift because my left knee is bothering me. So I'm going to take my wife's car. It's important to note. She does not know how to drive stick. Right. (laughs) Okay. So, I get in her car and I immediately like get onto the road and I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing is pulling really hard to the right. And it was not doing that yesterday. And so I call my wife and I'm like, hey, so the car is pulling really hard to the right. Did you hit something? You know, did was there a pothole or anything? And she's like, oh yeah, we hit a pothole. And I'm thinking, okay, just got to get this thing realigned, right? So I pull in, go to the doctor and he's got to do like an MRI and all this other stuff. So I end up leaving. And as I'm pulling out, I'm like, oh man, this car feels really weird. Like something does not feel right. And I thought that it was just the parking lot that I was in. Cause it's like an older hospital. It's not the nicest looking, you know, parking lot or parking garage. And I get out onto the main road and like, sure enough, I'm like, there's no way this thing is absolutely flat. Like I have a flat tire and sure enough, there's one. So I pull into this little uh, like side business there. That's like a kidney center and there's nobody parked there. So it's kind of the perfect little place. And I check my phone and I'm down to like 5% battery and I'm like, Oh crap. Okay. <laughs> like we got, we're short on time now and I've got a flat tire and it's like right at that time, I think it's like four 30. So all of everybody is about to be out and about, you know, if I needed a tow truck, it would take them forever to get to me. Right. So I start calling the tire place that I buy my tires from and they actually have like warranties they sell on their tires. It's like 10 bucks. So why would you not buy it? Right. And they always replace them. I've never had a problem. I've been buying tires from this place for like 10 years at this point. And I'm kind of nervous and I'm talking to the guy and I'm like, Hey, I just need to see like, do you guys have these in stock? Like, do you do any kind of towing? I'm really not super sure how I can get my car there. Cause at this point I'm probably about 15 miles away. And he's like, yeah, we don't do any towing, but you know, you can call a tow company and bring it here and we'll get it done. Keep in mind, we close around six and I'm like, all right, time's really on. I got an hour and a half to get there. I check my phone. It's down to like 3% battery. And I'm like, oh crap. So I'm on the phone with this towing company and I, it dawns on me. I'm like, oh my God, you idiot. You have a spare in the back. Just go put the freaking spare on. Like, what do you <laughs> do? Why are you your first thought? I don't know. I guess I was just like frazzled from the doctor's office and the flat tire. I didn't even think about it. Right. So I was like, oh, I don't need a tow company. Like, and I hang up 2% battery. Right. 
So I go, I get the spare on, and of course, like I've got this bum knee, so I'm like hobbling around this this car, and I'm like putting this thing on. I'm sure anyone that's watching has got to be kind of giggling at me. I probably look ridiculous because I can't quite like bend down on my knee without it hurting pretty badly. Mm-hmm. So I finally get the spare on. This thing's got plenty of pressure in it. It feels good. I do a 360 in the the little parking lot there, no problems. I literally turn right onto the main road, go two feet, and the the spare explodes. Oh, no. Too (laughs) much pressure. I guess. I like it wasn't dry rotted or anything. It looked like a pretty fresh spare tire, you know? Um, And so, like, I pull into this little uh, center that's literally right next door to the kidney center I was at. And I've got 1% battery left. So I call the tow company and I tell the guy, I'm like, look, I've got 1% battery left. I promise I'll pay you. I'm at this kidney center of Knoxville. And he goes like, oh, okay, cool. We can get you there in about 30. And the phone dies. So I'm sitting here in this parking lot. All these nurses are starting to kind of come out. And about an hour and a half goes by. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, you moron, you're in like a five block area of nothing but hospitals and doctor's offices. There's probably seven kidney centers here. Like it's, that's just not enough information. You know, like literally this tow truck could be a block away from you at any point in time and you would have no idea. Or if they came from the other direction, you would never see them. Right. Does does Hannah not keep a, like a charging cord for her, for the phone and in the van where you could have put it on to charge and sit there with it idling and get some, uh, charge well, back on your battery we normally do but with the move and everything i've cleaned the cars out almost entirely so that way i can kind of like pack back up our like uh our go bags i guess you could call them that we normally keep in our cars okay and so like things just aren't the way that they normally are right now right and so i'm sitting there and i'm waiting and i'm waiting and finally i was like all right i'm gonna have to approach one of these nurses and so nurses are walking out uh, i end up approaching them and they will not help me they like they're scared of me and i'm like i look like totally normal like i'm not scary looking at all you know but i i get it i totally get it the world's a crazy place these days and finally after like two hours this tow truck guy shows up and i'm not kidding he is the nicest guy i've ever met i mean straight up like mater from cars right <laughs> uh just such a friendly dude but it was so funny because we parked in front of this this uh red car that had a license plate that just said vampire and i would have described the interior of the car like i think hello kitty goth is the word i would say like the pastel colors but it's also like skull and crossbones and things like that you know and so like i'm getting this image of what i expect this individual to look like and after this guy's blocked the car in i'm like oh man of course you know whoever this is is going to show up like right as this dude gets out of his truck and sure enough he's like got my stuff hooked up he's starting to pull the car up and this woman walks out that has got to be like 73 years old. Like, <laughs> I never would have guessed that it would have been this woman. And she takes a picture of my car and then gets in hers. And the tow truck driver looks at me and goes, well, man, I never thought she's a vampire. And I just like died laughing. Like the whole scenario, every single piece of it, just from the moment of the flat tire to the spare exploding to sitting there for two hours and all of the realizations. I could not help but just consistently laugh at myself. Like, this is so ridiculous. You know what I mean? Maybe she was borrowing a car just like you were in a borrowed vehicle. Oh, no. I don't think so. No, no, no. (laughs) There's no way. I I don't want to believe that narrative. I'd love to think that that it was her car. Not that there's anything wrong with being 70 and loving vampires or any of that stuff. It just was not at all the image I was expecting. Like, little Nancy that's worked at the front office or the front desk for 60 years. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, man. And then it was awful, too, because, like, I I, before my phone died, I had called Hannah, and I was like, hey, so I'm stranded. I have no idea what time I'm going to be home, and 
you know, she can't drive stick, so there was nothing she could really do either. Uh, but it was just such a funny scenario. Like every single step of the way, I was like, someone's got to be recording this. Like, am I on TV? Who's watching? You know, <laughs> why did that lady take a picture of your car? Surely she didn't take it like from the back where she could get your license plate or anything. Right? No, I think she was taking it to like send to somebody to be like, hey, I can't make it. I'm stuck because she couldn't oh. get out until we left. And we were there for probably 15 minutes or so. Or maybe this goth kitty grandma also is happening enough to have like a TikTok. And like oh, post, yeah. Posted the picture or uh, took a video and just put like LOL on it or something. And posted <laughs> Maybe. It to her, Maybe. Her, her octogenarian followers. Man, it would be really wild if one of her followers also listened to us and put two and two together. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But then what was really nice was I ended up at this uh, tire shop and some reason there was a dude still there. Like it was like 730, I think. And he was like, oh, you're the guy I talked to earlier. We'll get you fixed, man. And literally 30 minutes later, they had me on my way. Like, they were literally yeah, walking out of the parking lot. So it was just one of those days where, like, everything that went wrong or everything that did happen, you know, just got worse and worse and worse. But you couldn't help but laugh because of how ridiculous it was, you know? Well, and it all worked. You, you, you had your happy ending. Which yeah. Yeah, it was great. Uh, so it was just one of those moments where I was like, all right, I got to tell the world this story. <laughs> that is fun. Ah, uh, man, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's uplifting to have a day where everything goes wrong, but then it ends with something, somebody doing something that is that like second mile service, you yeah. know, staying open later, taking care of you, even though it probably was past closing time, you know, just being taken care of by humans for for the sake of just you being a human. Oh too. yeah. Especially after the nurses who like Cole's deal is to take care of humans. Wouldn't let me borrow a phone to call the towing yeah, company. They you know, their quota for uh, the day. You... Well, that's fair. That's fair. But what the, like the other funny part to me was that like literally within three blocks of distance, I could have gotten to like a shell station or, or something to get a phone charger. But my knee was so banged up. I literally couldn't walk from like my car to the other side of the road, you know? <laughs> uh, so I don't know. It was just great. It was great. And then I like tore the car apart looking for that stupid charger that I know we have. And I literally found it uh, two days ago. I was looking for something else and it happened to, I guess... Somehow it got wedged up under the actual like floor mat, and so I there was no way I was going to pull that up and look for it. Um, but it was there the whole time. <laughs> of course it was. Well, anyways, now that we're twenty minutes into it, my hero academia <laughs> podcast, and we've basically it's just like our last episode. I know they're they're just getting it's it's about to just turn into story time with Adam and Adkins. That's what the listeners don't know is that we're prepping them for when we run out of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> It just becomes uh, like story hour. Yeah, story hour. Anecdotes with, with Adams, uh, Adam and Atkins. I love it. I love it. Well, why don't you say we go ahead and jump into episode 135 um, that is titled Friend. Sure. Yeah, we're covering in this episode 135 and 136. Um, this will cover chapters 316 through, well, 316 page 12 to be exact, uh, through the end of chapter 322. Oh, nice. Well, we open with Nagant uh, saying that she was basically supposed to take this target to the Habori Woods to some mansion where she was going to deliver effectively Midoriya to All for One, along with a few other people that have been given that same directive. So, I mean, we are seeing that same scene we left off of with her falling from the sky, Hawks grabbing her, Midoriya just right there in tow and Endeavor and Bestina showing up. Um, it's so cute that you cover stuff that we've already covered every week. Hey, you know, I like to. It's like <laughs> like the, the episodes do it. Why shouldn't we? It's been two weeks since they listened to us. I, uh, I, I couldn't type notes. I still can't fully pronate my hand to be able to work a keyboard. So I'm working purely from the manga. But 
even even when I do take notes, I fully I don't take anything unless it's brand new before the uh before the uh, opening theme uh, song. That's funny. No, like I literally I notate pretty much everything that happens uh, just so that <laughs> way I can reference it because I'm like, I never know, you know. Uh, but where where we really pick up, where this episode actually begins, is right there at that mansion that was mentioned, and all the heroes are kind of trying to figure out like the lay of the land, and we have big heroes too, like Endeavor's there, Mount Lady's there, and I didn't just mean physically big, I know I just listed two really actually yeah. physically big heroes, but Midoriya's there, I think Ed Shot's there as well, with Hawks and a few others. Yeah, Kamui Woods is also there. Yeah, and uh, they're trying to just be like, alright, you know, this is a trap, like we gotta figure out what's the best way to approach this, and Midoriya's just like, nah, dog, and just walks straight Midoriya rushes in or Deku rushes in was like the name of our first episode ever and this is him doing it here too yeah yeah and his whole concept or his whole thought is like well they've not recovered enough to take you know one for all right now so we should be okay like we can handle whatever it is they're going to throw at us and when he walks in uh, at first there's nothing and then they find this little like circular device that projects this hologram of all for one. And he's like, ah, you know, Midoriya, if you're here, that means that you've already had your Q&A with Lady Nagant. I kind of assumed that would happen. And I really like to predict things. So here we are. And he says, you know, I, I just want you to know that, like, I kind of expected you to try to save her. I like to try to figure these things out. And I figured that's what you would do. And he goes on to say that he's done with this oaf all might. He wants nothing to really do with any with him anymore. And it is your turn. He says, next, it's your turn. Just repeating those things that all might told Midoriya, you know, not too long ago. And it's just, I mean, man, it's brutal. All for one is like getting in his head and he's playing those mind games with Deku at this point. Yeah, and uh, after he finishes pointing his finger at Midoriya saying, it's your turn, uh, we discover that the little projection machine is uh, a bomb and it just blows this house to smithereens. And we've been to this place, this house before. This is where the League of Villains ran into like the, was it CRC, CMC, something like that. The folks that were all bigoted against uh spinner yeah yeah um this was this was their hold up was it i thought it was the uh i thought it was the mansion that um the league of villains and the um oh the meta liberation army were hanging out at together i don't think so you're talking about the like the villa i guess i'm thinking of the villa which is not this mansion yeah you're right this is totally different yeah 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 this is where the c the 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 bigoted folks Mm -hmm. that are they're like they were anti-spinner heteromorphs yeah yeah yeah. those guys that this was their this was their joint but you know in between all of this too all for one hits on something that i thought was something they've continued to say um and it's basically like hey if you didn't fit into this narrative that the rest of society is playing then you're just immediately ostracized and you're cast out as a villain like if you don't fit in you're immediately a villain and it made me start to wonder and i think i actually posted this in the discord what's all for one's backstory like what has whatever happened to him that made him want to become this big bad like monarchy basically that's or this dictator that's ruling over the society and saying what is and what isn't allowed. Um, so like I'm, I know we'll get there eventually, but I mean, I can't wait to find out a little bit more about him and his brother and their backstories. Yeah. We don't really know much. Um, what we know to my knowledge or at least to my recollection is he figured out that he was basically the strongest or could very easily become the strongest by taking the uh, the quirks that he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, that put him in a position where he could wield that power ultimately. Um, and it could be one of those, you know, ultimate power corrupts ultimately or whatever kind of situations. But I hope it's more nuanced than that. I'd be curious to see. We're we're, we're getting to see more of that backstory um, with the first wielder 
now. You know, we, we right. keep getting glimpses into more of the history that has set the the timeline up to this climax here. Um, we get little bits and pieces of it, but we don't really know that much about All for One. Yeah, I guess we really don't. Other than like he's had beef with All Might, so and and anything right. we've seen with him has been from his adult life. None of it's been from his uh, childhood. So man, I can't wait to yeah, see more. And it's been like yeah, he's it's like. He's he's had a beef with All Might, but it's really he's had a beef with One for All, and because he's right. had all these you know deadly conflicts with all these other wielders as well. Yeah, yeah, man, that's really interesting. I don't think I've ever abstracted it that much. Like he All Might's a nobody, really. In in All for One's eyes, probably it's One for All that he wants. It doesn't matter who the wielder is, right? And that's why it's Deku's turn now. Yeah, he's like All for yeah. One doesn't or All Might doesn't have the thing that I want anymore. You do, so now you're the you know the 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 subject of all of my ire and my my goal and the thing that I must uh you know conquer. Yeah. Uh and so yeah there's he just goes after whatever whoever has uh off or one for all. Yeah. Well we uh, we follow up with all of the heroes basically that were at the mansion. They're now at some sort of a hideout except Midoriya is not there and Edshot's basically saying that all traces of the League of Villains have been completely destroyed and they're not getting any info from Nagant and Hawks weighs in and says that she's so injured they're not even sure how she's alive. And Edshot just straight up is like, so, uh, elephant in the room, is there any reason we're not just exposing the secret of One for All? Like, yep. like, why are we keeping this a secret? And Mount Lady is kind of like, well, you know, any investigations in the League could potentially burden Midoriya more. Like, we, we're not really super sure if we should let that get out. And, and I think it's Endeavor that's saying, like, the police are busy, there's no eyewitnesses, and, like, all of our hopes are exhausted. And he goes into... Like before, really trying to say anything about uh, one for all, he he talks about how Death Arms retired, and man, we get this heartbreaking scene of Death Arms, this character that I don't even realize that I liked as much until this scene. I think because he's always just kind of been there, you know what I mean? And uh, it's him like taking off all of his gear and just talking about how people really don't like heroes now, and it's such a drastic difference from what it was just a few weeks ago, and. He's like, you know, I've just I've had no chances for breaks and and I'm hearing some of the support for heroes, but one boo can overshadow 10 cheers. And he says that it's his first time feeling like this. And he he goes on to say, it looks like I wasn't a hero, just a human. And gosh, I don't know. That felt so, so hard hearing from Death Arms because he, he's been there like trained Ochako and, and we've seen him on the sidelines being that like. Did he train Ochako? This yeah. isn't Gunhead. I thought Death Arms and Ochako trained together for a while, too. Uh, I don't remember. For some reason. I know she trained with Gunhead. Gunhead, yeah. But I mean, it's one of those things where like, he's been there from episode one. Like, Death Arms yeah, has been literally. around for a long time, and he's always kind of been the, like, on-the-streets hero, you know? And Yeah, he nabbed uh, the slide-and-go guy yeah. right before the assault on the villa in the hospital. Like, yeah. he, he's he's been intimately involved on the on the good side, like, um, in always yeah um, well endeavor like endeavor follows that up and, and confirms it he even says like that was a hero with grit like this was a real hero even the good ones are retiring and he says that there's no end to people that are just leaving costumes behind and he goes on to say that he's really worried that the press is actually already getting closer to midoriya because of those heroes like someone's leaking information somehow and it's got to be heroes that are resigning. And he says that with the loss of order, you know, right now power is dominant. And he's really worried that if that got out, if the secret got out, that there would be so much negative focus on Deku. 
And he really just doesn't deserve that. Like he's the guy out there trying to keep all of this from happening and really the only one that can. And Mount Lady's like, you know, that's a good point. Why is All for One not leaked this? And Endeavor says it's really because if they did that, then they would just isolate Midoriya, and that's not really what he wants either. So ultimately, neither heroes nor police are enough to handle this situation, and letting anything else more out is only going to make matters worse. Yeah, I like how uh, in the manga, at least, again, because I'm, I'm pulling my notes exclusively from there. He says, unless Deku and the rest of us are out there taking action, we'll never get any leads. And he just, there's this, this panel in here that's all black with his words that says, not enough cops, not enough heroes. And then it's just this uh, this quarter page panel at the bottom where it's just that, that group of heroes seated in silence with their heads kind of bowed, like realizing that this they're, they're in a tough spot. Well, and I would and, imagine the ones in that room are pretty much it. Like anyone yeah. that's not in that room is not in the little trust circle. You know what I mean? Endeavor ignores some calls and text messages from Shoto here. Um, and he's, he's doing so again, so many of the activities of the heroes come from a place of nobility, but they, they are ultimately, I think misguided. And this is one of those instances where if you just picked up the phone, then we could have expedited some stuff. Oh yeah. In the episode that I did by myself, I talked about Midorio going out on his own. It seems like the noble thing to do, but it's not the best thing to do. Um, and we, we finally get some resolution to that concept in these two episodes. I think, uh, what's that old saying? Uh, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's yep. that's exactly what it is here. Like, Endeavor's trying to protect his son, probably the same way Midoriya is trying to protect all these people by not letting them in. And it's it's just not the right way to go. Uh, but Hawks also gets a call from All Might, and it's uh, him just saying, like, hey, Deku's caught the second gun, and he literally won instantly. And, man, when we follow up with Midoriya in this episode, he's looking rough. Like, his eyes look ravaged. Um, you know, he says that basically the the new mercenary he took out didn't have any info and just takes off. And poor All Might is, like, trying to stop him to give him some food or or just give him a word of encouragement. But Beck, but Deku turns it all down and just tells him, like, look, I'm fine. Like, you don't have to follow me. He, he basically gives him the, uh, the old yeller, you know, like, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, Deku explains, he's like, listen, I'm what I'm capable of now is on par with you at 100 percent. And I'm no longer like hurting myself in the process. So like, I don't need you. Like, he's like, don't worry about me, really. I'm I'm fine. And All Might, we get uh, kind of a glimpse into his mind, at least in the manga, where he talks about how uh, he, he kind of hears this. Or he, he thinks about this phrase that Midoriya doesn't look back at All Might anymore. Yeah. And that's just crushing All Might's because All Might knows the position that he used to hold in Midoriya's life. He still holds a very prominent one, but he feels like it's very tenuous and he can't, he doesn't feel empowered to do anything about it. And so he's feeling helpless maybe for the second time since he really uh, lost his powers, you know, because there was a time right after uh, Camino, where he was pretty moby and had to be encouraged to go and be a teacher, even though he didn't have, uh, you know, the power that he used to wield, that he could still be instructive uh, and and helpful and impart wisdom. And uh, now I think he's back in this place of where he's like, well, now what do I do? You yeah. know, uh, what can I do? And he's he's battling that pretty hard. And it's so sad, man. Like this, this episode, at least this part, brought some like tears to my eyes because he's trying to grab Midoriya as Midoriya's walking off. And he's just like, man, like 
I know how much of a burden it is to have these powers. I know how much of a burden it is to be in the position you're in. And he says, it's, it's okay to rest. You need to know it's okay to rest. You've got to think of yourself. And All Might's been there. Like, he lived this life for so much longer than Midoriya does. And he's just so sad. And he knows that Midoriya feels so alone. And I, I just, I hated it for him. Because, you know, there's like nothing, nothing he can do, you know? Yeah. And what's cool about this scene is when Midoriya leaps off, as sad as it is, All Might, like, kind of stumbles and he spills the little bento box that he had brought yeah. for Midoriya to eat. And he's, it's raining. So he's like, curled up in this like face down prostrate position and uh, on the ground. And we see that stain is actually lurking just outside, uh, just on the other side of this wall, kind of spectating all of this. What's interesting about that is if stain were there with any kind of ill intent, then danger sense would have let Midoriya know. Absolutely. So, so we know that stain isn't this, that, that, that is not what he's out there to do. That's not why he's as close to them as he is. And we see that come to uh, obviously a much much more uh, definite head later. Oh, do we? I was worried we wouldn't get to see anything about it. So you've watched ahead, haven't you? Yeah, I can. Okay. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I've not watched ahead. I've not watched ahead. That's exciting. We do. There's a whole thing with Stain oh, and All Might. Man. I guess it must be in the second to last episode okay. of this okay. season. But That's it's exciting. Just, that... Yeah, it's coming. It's coming and you're going to love it. It's great. Man, and I thought that was really interesting too, seeing Stain there because it's like, I think the only hero in his mind was only ever all might so has that switched to midoriya or you know what i mean like does it how aware is he of what's happened and transpired between all might and midoriya and what does he think seeing all might in this form like is it the first time he's seen all might depowered and and not what he recognizes i would love to be inside his head right now that it's such a cool just give it give it another episode after these two (sighs) i don't want to say anything more because i I want to get your genuine reaction to their to their interaction yes absolutely okay well so now we uh we're kind of following midoriya he's like flying through the air and someone is basically talking about deku and and how they think his quirk is like all for one and like we're hearing all these things that about him and he actually lands and like saves a couple of people And when he does, they recognize that he's got multiple quirks and they're like, oh man, you must work for all for one. You must be a villain. And and like, you don't look like a hero at all. And he doesn't look like a hero. He's, he's tattered. I mean, he looks tired under the mask at least, but his general outfit does look very villainous to me. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. Like the, the, the art the the aesthetic for Deku at this point it's is dope. so good. It is. It's so cool. I really like it. Like I know that it is supposed to reflect sort of his emotional state, but at the same time, it is dope looking. I think uh, I think it was Thunderstorm in the Discord that showed that he he has a figure that's like pulled straight out of the last page of of uh, chapter three seventeen, which is Deku with the black whip tendrils and just in this raggedy costume kind of in mid stride. And he's got a, a figure of that. Oh, that that's looks cool. Freaking dope. I bet it does. Yeah, I bet it does, man. That's awesome. Well, we get a call uh, here from uh, Endeavor and he's telling Midoriya that like, Hey, look, overseas heroes are going to be here soon. And he's like, now is not the time to get worn down, man. Like you're the key to this whole situation. And Midoriya kind of argues with them and says, well, that's exactly why I have to be out here. I'm the only one that can keep the villains at bay. And even the vestiges at this point are warning him, like, you shouldn't be pushing yourself. Like, this is not the time to do that. But he pushes them away, at least metaphorically, and kind of slides their emotions off to the side. And, and- In the manga, it's depicted really cool because he gets like a, 
a flash of danger sense and he jumps and the vestiges were kind of these like smoky auras behind him, like ghosts almost. Yeah. And when he jumps, they kind of dissipate in his wake. And one of them is even like looking at him over his shoulder. Like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like he's literally running away from them. And they, then we get whisked into the vestige realm where they're having a conversation about what all is going on. Yeah. One of them, I don't, I think it might've be the fifth one i can't remember off the top of my head i didn't note who it was but one of the mentions that the surfacing of all of their quirks has actually allowed deku to really embody this like core ideal he has of being a hero at all times whether that's better for him or worse for him they're not super sure like at least at this point he is able to do the things he's always wanted to do at the expense of himself and they're realizing that and uh, it's it's not looking good for him not at all yeah, the vestiges are kind of torn about uh, Midoriya's current motivations and goals. And they basically, uh, I don't remember, I'm terrible with the numbers, but one of them, one of them, one of the two that was like, hey, we went like basically full on frontal assault on all for one. And it was at the cost of all these lives. The ones. Oh, one yeah, of the yeah. Two one of the, were, uh, the basically the, the, the number ones two that were and number three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, he says that he's he, he's like, listen, I think he's chosen the right path. Inaction is not an option, especially given the circumstances. Uh, and that's that's how it is for those of us who bear one for all. Yeah. But he does say. He qualifies it. He says, that said, if there's anything that could bolster Azuka Midoriya now, it would be, and he kind of trails off in the manga. Yeah, and, and this is actually the scene that I mentioned earlier where he saves a few people, and they recognize like his multiple quirks, assume he works for all for one, and they basically run off. And I think this really gets in his head. He He's really upset that you know he's scaring people away. Like This is not the hero I think he wants to be, but I think it's the hero he thinks he needs to be. And he's kind of letting his hatred for all for one kind of guiding him. And and I'm wondering here, too, if this is the sort of thing that Banjo warned against. Like we saw, what was it last season, I think, where Banjo was like, hey, look, you can't let anger guide this quirk. Otherwise, it could have catastrophic, you know, um, results. And I almost wonder if all for one is aware of that or or if it's if it's one for all's power. I don't really know what Banjo is warning against. But it, there is something here where it feels like he's guiding his decisions with his emotions in a way that he was warned about. So I wonder if that's going to lead to some havoc here in a few episodes or next season. See, I don't think Deku is angry. I think that he's overburdened. Like oh, he for sure. realizes, like, I don't think anger factors into it. I just think he's like, well, nobody else can do anything, so it has to be me. And the, if I dawdle or take any more time in trying to f- sniff them out, that's more time that uh, Shigar- or that All for One has to take over Shigaraki's body, that Shigaraki's got, uh, you know, that the two of them have time to prepare to take this thing from me. So he's, work- he's working against the clock and on behalf of literally everyone in his head. Yeah. Well, let's see, the reason I think I got anger vibes was just because he literally this entire episode, he keeps thinking back to All for One and that like, next it's you, you know, and just that, I don't know, something about that makes me think that he's getting angry. Like this guy is the reason why people can't smile. This guy's the reason why, you know, the world's not at peace and I'm having to go through all of this. And see, there's a page in the manga where we're kind of given a glimpse into his mind. He says, I can't let them hurt anyone else. I have to complete one for all so that everyone can live their lives in peace and yeah, safety. Yeah, that's so exactly again, what he it's says. it's all about the other for him. That's fair. Yeah, maybe I'm, I'm just interpreting that wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and there's this great panel too where, like you said, so that everyone can smile again. And it's like this two-page deal where it shows his mom and Gran Torino eating taiyaki and All Might smiling with his thumbs up and Aizawa smiling for Aizawa, you know. Um, Harry <laughs> smiling. And then this he's flanked by all these panels of probably everybody in 1A. I, I didn't count, but I'm, I'm assuming that there's 19 squares behind him of everybody else in 1A laughing like this is how he remembers them and that's the state that he wants to return them to because he knows they're not living in that state right now right right well he kind of tumbles to the ground and this villain shows up with a group of civilians around him and uh he kind of appears to be controlling these civilians like puppets almost and we find out his name is dictator and dictator basically sends all these civilians after Midoriya and they're crying out like that they can't control their bodies and that that's they gotta have... be terrifying oh my god I know like the, these this is like a, what's the what is the thing where it's like you're you're fully aware of everything can feel everything but you can't you have no control over like your body sleep paralysis that... yeah yeah like I I I've never been under for anything until I had the surgery on my arm and that was something that I was a little nervous about. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> like, like I've never I, been under either. My, yeah, I was like, I do not want to be. I don't want to be in that position. And these guys are in that position. Yeah. They are. They are doing things against their will, and they're even trying to call out to him, like, "Hey, like, we're we're not we doing. We can't this, control yeah. our bodies. Like, we're we're not doing this on purpose. Please don't hurt us. Basically, oh man, it's an interesting tactic. It for is a dictator. Yeah, because know? dictator knows Midoriya would never hurt these people. And like, as they're approaching him, Midoriya starts having flashbacks of like, okay, so Crust uh, apprehended this guy, like I think several years ago. And if I remember correctly, his weakness is that a strong hit to the head of the victims or taking him himself out will actually break the control. So he's yeah. like, okay, I can't use Air Force. I don't have my gloves. How can I use Black Whip? And as he's trying to go through all these potential methodologies that normally for Midoriya would just be like the these almost instinctual tasks for him. He's slowed down. He's exhausted. He's tired. These civilians start to overwhelm him and they're like tearing his, his mask off and they've got him totally pinned to the ground. And as they're about to potentially really start doing some serious damage, uh, we get, we hear that like very, very, I mean, just incredible sound of Bakugo's like, uh, uh, I guess sweat firing off that like tick, 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 tick. I loved yeah. it. It was such a great moment, you know? Yeah, and he he does an armor-piercing shot right down on Dictator's head, so he must have been made aware of this guy's weakness as well. Um, so it, I don't know. Did he? Or do you think he just was just like, all right, I'm going to kill this guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, he could have been lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very Bakugo move to just go for the head yeah, anyway. Yeah, like, um, I'm just going to take this villain out. Yeah. Oh, man, and I loved... You pointed it out um, that Midoriya, before he bumps into Dictator, or at least before he becomes aware that Dictator and an army of civvies is in front of him, the scene of him, like, he's walking and his black whip tendrils are sagging. Yeah. You know, and he's slouched over. Like, he is absolutely drained. It's a very, very sad image that we see of just how tired he is. And that really informs the, the little scuffle that he has with 1A here shortly, too, because... He's not at he's not at 100 percent. I mean, he's not even at 50 percent. Right. Like when you're that tired, because because falling asleep is basically just when your exhaustion is lower or sorry, when your exhaustion is higher than your like uh, awareness or your irritation. Right. Because those are kind of always two combating things or your stimulation. He has gotten to the point of so much exhaustion that he has no thinking capabilities that's that's a pretty heavy shutdown and we know he's not been eating we know he's not been sleeping and we don't know for how long at this point 
and all the physical exhaustion that those quirks are taking out on them. I mean, we've been told it ages an individual. So, well, and I, so I didn't catch it when you said that in the last episode until I re-listened. He doesn't suffer from that malady. Oh, oh, that's right. Because he was empty. He was quirkless. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. I, when I was listening back to it, I was like, oh, snap. I didn't, I like, didn't catch oh, that. Adam, yeah, idiot. he's fine. That's <laughs> not, he's not working. That's not that's working, not against, working him. against him. Okay. Okay. Um, but I do think that like in that, in that scene in the anime, he's, he's kind of thinking out loud about what he can and can't do against dictator and against the civilians. And we know that this is, he's our smart boy. Yeah. And like that stuff normally comes way faster to him. And this is like a mental slog for him to try to piece these things together. He didn't and even finish. Like he never, yeah. he never came up with a solution for, to save these people. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, I, I thought that Horikoshi and uh, Studio Bones, who I think is still doing the anime, I thought that they did a really good job yeah. of, of communicating some, they're showing us, but not telling us this stuff. And that's when I think that the, manga and the anime is at its best don't tell us stuff just let us let us draw those comparisons on our own because we're not dummies right and when you don't tell us that it, it's rewarding to be able to spot these differences and talk about them like we're doing now but it also just makes for a more it makes it more sad and it makes it more organic for us to oh, absolutely instead of it being voiceover of deco being like oh i used to be able to think so much faster and man I got rumblies in my tumble. Like we don't need all of that. We we get it. We get it. And they they're doing a great job of that here. And this is where like we get a flashback of the second. I, I've got it noted in my my notes today or now. Um, it was the second wielder. That's like if Midoriya needs anything, and then we get the title of the episode. And it just says friend. Gosh, yeah. it's such a great place for a title. Uh, but then we we literally like flashback over to UA, and all the kids are discussing the letter Midoriya left them, and they're trying to kind of piece together like what exactly or who exactly left these letters, how they were left like how did Midoriya escape or get out and the three big like main kids uh, is what I put in my notes but we've got um uh, Tokoyami Shoto and then uh, Bakugo are saying that they basically can't reach their mentors like I think even Shoto's like dad's not answering which I was like oh, poor Shoto <laughs> uh, but Bakugo is like they are straight up hiding something like I know these people well enough to know that there is something going on and he is really upset about this he feels like they really aren't being treated like the heroes that they've basically been expected to be because they're the ones that are there protecting all of these civilians. And he's like, you know, I'm pretty sure that this had to have been All Might's doing. All Might must have snuck these letters in here, and Midoriya and All Might must be teamed up with Endeavor, Hawks, and Best Genist, and they're just not telling people. And Yeah, in the manga, I can't remember if he says this in the anime, but Bakugo says, Denim Head and the Spoonbill met Deku back at the hospital. Hmm. All Might was there too, and then we get this letter, and so he's like, "Deku didn't come back here and put these on our door. All Might did, yeah, you know, yeah, like he never came back to UA. Exactly. I just, I love it when he calls uh, Hawk Spoonbill. That makes me. <laughs> well, Ochako pipes up and is kind of like, "Well, hey, hold on, didn't Endeavor graduate from UA? Why don't we just force ourselves into this situation?" And we like splash cut over to the principal Nezu, who set up this meeting basically and tricked Endeavor there and. The kids have crashed it, and Shoto is just like, yo, dad, WTF, mate, why aren't you answering your yeah. phone? <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, and it's it's actually really great, because Shoto's like, look, we agreed to take on Toya together. What are you doing? And um, that Bakugo doesn't waste any time. He's just straight up like, hey, did uh, you leave All Might and Deku alone? Because that's a horrible idea. You guys don't know them the way that I do. 
those two together by themselves are just going to feed into each other's like need to be this number one hero. And it's going to be a bad time for both of them. Like, what were you guys thinking? Yeah. He says, if only we'd, uh, we could have the same speed to be by his side. This is endeavor. You know, he's like, you know, it, it does seem like there's some issues here. Uh, and he pulls out endeavor, pulls out his phone and Sarah was immediately like, does that thing have GPS? And then everybody in one a is making a dash yeah. to this phone. Cause they're like, that'll tell us where Deku is. And, uh, you know, Sarah grabs a hold of it and he's like, do you mind if we borrow this? Cause it's only chance. It's only by chance that I wound up in the same class as this guy, but still the only way, uh, like all these guys are starting to reminisce. And this comes out during the actual fight too. Cause Coda here is like, we've only spent a year together, but that's plenty. And, to, uh, is like, he never opened up to us about all for one. And, and he expected that letter to put us at ease. And that came as a shock to us. And Ida man, class prez, Ida. He, he class presses it up in this episode and the next. He says, we have class A intend to find him, follow him, and work alongside him. No matter how great a burden one for all may be, Midori is our friend. And we can't very well be expected to go smiling into the future knowing that our friend is walking this thorny path all by himself. I mean, and in, in the manga, he's just flanked by everyone in 1A, just looking resolute as hell. And it's it's great. Oh, man, it really is good. I think in the uh, anime, he says, you know, Deku's going down a path of thorns and we will not abandon him. And I just thought that was awesome. Uh, and Nezu's sitting there and he's like, well, look, you know, uh, I kind of let Midoriya go out on his own. Like, I understood what was happening here. But the moment he became a student, he's been under the school's protection and it is completely okay if he comes back. And, uh, you know, he says, like, we respected his wishes due to the circumstances, but if you guys can bring him back, then bring him back. And he says that they have this reinforced barrier from the school festival, so they can protect the school. Like, they have ways to try to keep everything at bay and keep everyone there safe. And he tells them, like, hey, while you're at it, bring All Might back, too. He was one of our students. He should also be here and be protected. And then we flip back over to the fight scene, and Deku is just absolutely stunned. I mean, he he almost can't believe what he's seeing, I think. Like, the dictator's there. He's under control. Uh, Momo is is showing up, and, and she's, like, got everybody kind of uh, situated, I guess you could say. And it's funny, because she doesn't call Bakugo by his hero name, and he's just like, hey! Like, absolutely corrects her. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but <laughs> it was a great little moment for him there. Uh, and she apologizes. Like, I think people have given Bakugo that respect he deserves now, and Deku just goes into it immediately like, guys, I'm fine. Like, you don't have to worry about me. You guys need to get away. And Bakugo just laughs and he's clapping. He starts clapping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. He's just like, oh, yeah, great. That's what we want to hear from the great one for all successor. And he asks Deku, he says, can you smile right now? And Midoriya is like, well, you know, in order for me to be able to smile or any of you all to smile, you guys have to leave. Like, I need to take care of this. And he starts to power up to leave. And Bakugo just goes, all right, well, then you're going to have to make us. You all might want to be. Ah, what a powerful line, too. Oh, man, uh, especially know. now that they know that he has uh, all Might's one court. for all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they know that it, it's more than about aspiration now. It really is about um, embodiment and, and succession. And he used that term earlier, this successor. Um, but it is, it's, it's transformed now that they are aware and Bakugo has been aware the whole time or, or for a large portion of the time. Um, but yeah, for him to be like, yeah, uh, do your worst. All might want to be, he's, he's antagonizing in all the right places. Absolutely. Uh, and, and those words sting pretty good, I think. And I love the, uh, uh, the last sentence of this episode was Ida just saying, let's do this. Yeah, it's great. It is. He's he. I'm telling you, he class presses it up in these two episodes, and it's so good. One thirty six um, is the one that we're about to cover, right? Yes, That's the right number. It is. 
And it is so titled Deku the, vs. Class A. Yeah, this this episode made me tear me up. Me too. Um, I even like man, it shielded the Discord. It, sh- it made me show up in the Discord. That ought to say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of power this episode yeah, has. I think I've watched it three times now, and every time I can't help but like just get choked up. It is such a good episode. Yeah, man, and and or Deku we pick up in the in this episode and he's hunched over and he's he he looks like a predator. I mean, he's like hunched over, he's got his he's got supinated claws and he's bent over at the waist and he's got black whip sticking out uh, around him and ah, it's it's so good. Uh, Baka goes yelling at him. He's like, "We heard you unlock the 4th and the 6th. It looks like you're even drawn differently than the rest of us these days," yeah. which I thought was really funny in the, in the manga. In the anime, he's he just says that he looks totally different now. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh he's but Deku, he's like, hey, thanks for coming after me, but And he pops smoke screen, and Bakugo does a new move to us, at least. He does something that he calls Landmine Blast and kind of dissipates all this stuff and catches Midoriya trying to sneak away. Yeah, like midair. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, he's like, so you don't want to just chat? You're going to try to sneak off? So now that you're one of the all-powerful big shots, are we just going to, are we just a bunch of NPCs to you? <laughs> are we a bunch of extras? So now Bakugo's language that he used to apply to everybody. Yes, um, I love he, it. He's now, yeah, kind of applying uh, to Midoriya doing a similar thing. We get to see some cool Coda action. Yeah, Coda like sends a flock of birds after Midoriya, which is totally terrifying. <laughs> I would hate that. That <laughs> seems awful. My God. Yeah. Yeah, they don't. I don't think they're they're not attacking. I no, think they're just kind of swarming be. him. Uh, yeah, and and I love that. I talked in the in the little chatting with Atkins episode that I think that his quirk is the least utilized and possibly has the most room to like grow and be totally badass. And it's just great to see him using it here for something other than my birds say that there's a kitty under the you under know the under the stairwell in this other apartment. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> Like he's he could be so much more than that, and they they show a little bit of that here. Yeah, and this is where we get like this long litany of these different folks from one A. Not everybody uh, speaks up, but the, the a lot of them do um, go through and talk about their connections with Midoriya, the re- their their relationship with them. And so Coda's trying to yell at them, "Hey, they said you could come back to school. Yeah, you know, principal's welcome to get you back. So just stop running away." Um, Midoriya tries to use Black Whip to move himself, but Saro, and this was a cool move too. I never thought, I don't know why I didn't think this, but I didn't think about the tangibility of Black Whip. Like, obviously it has tangibility because it can interact with things, but I didn't suspect that Saro could interact with it the way that he did. So he kind of attaches his tape midway uh, on like the midpoint of the tendrils and pulls, which you know, bends it down, like brings Deku off of his intended track. I thought that that was really neat too. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. And like Saro wraps him up and has this flashback of, you know, basically, I don't think it's Saro. It's Midoriya that's having this flashback of Saro teaching him how to use Black Whip. So like every interaction with these kids in this episode is really cool because it's either one of them thinking about how Midoriya did something for them in their lives or it's Midoriya thinking about them and how they affected his life. So it's just such a really heartwarming moment here and and really across the entire episode. And I think this is like after he's able to kind of break out of Saro's uh, like tape there, Jiro actually tries to hit him with some sort of a blast and he immediately immediately just like ducks right out of the way. I can't believe how fast he is, but faster than the speed of sound. Yeah. And she's telling him like, look, you know, you only gave me a few notes back in the day for, for that band, but it was, it was a small gesture, but it meant a lot to me. And he's like, you know, please like come back, please come back with us. And in the midst of that, Ojiro actually slaps him with his tail and says like, wraps him up. Yeah. Like, Hey, you can't, I can't just let you be the only one getting all beat up all the time. Like 
you can't just be alone, man. And Deku is is really only remembering at this moment the pain that he feels like he's caused people because he's got this power and others are coming after him. And that's all he can think about this whole episode is just everyone that's gotten yeah. hurt, you know? Yeah, he thinks about Aizawa having to cut off his leg and Gran Torino being slammed and uh, Bakugo getting pierced, which is going to come back up shortly. And he just screams like, I can't let All for One take you all away from me. That's why I had to leave. Yeah. Uh, then he gets tackled by Tokoyami, who sends Dark Shadow out away from him, slamming Midoriya into a building, which is great. And he too, like Midoriya, uh, uh, later on, Tokoyami will talk uh, about how Midoriya taught, is the first one that taught him how to use uh, Dark Shadow defensively instead of just as, uh, you know, as offensively. We get to see Sato uh, carrying Jiro and Ojiro by the tail. Yeah, because like, he like catches um, them out of midair. It was such a cool yeah. moment. Like, I love the combo work that they use throughout this entire episode. Yeah, and he says, you have to understand that how, how we understand how you feel, but now we all feel the same way. Like, listen to us. We want you to just come on back, man. Yeah. And he makes this, he makes the lamest plea oh out God, of the ball. Like, his sales pitch was terrible. Yeah, because he was just like, <laughs> like, hey, if you don't come back, you can't use my food dye to make candy yeah. apples for Eerie. And Deku was just like, well, Eerie doesn't really need me. <laughs> like, I mean, it was yeah. such an easy... I felt like out of all of them, he immediately just diminished Sato, like entirely. Like, out of all of the people that pleaded with him, he didn't even mention Sato. It was like straight to Eerie. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And he gets clapped into this device while he's held against the pillar by Dark Shadow, presumably that Momo made. Yeah, it's like a... And he says it's designed to put him to sleep. Yeah, that's what it said in um, the, the uh, anime as well, but there was, like, no indication that it was doing that. Yeah, and uh, Momo's like, hey, we've been authorized to use our quirks to aid Endeavor and the other heroes uh, for this to uh, mission to ensure your safety. Like, our mission, she's explicitly saying, is to catch you and bring you back. Yeah. Like, that's it. And we are authorized to do everything in our power to do exactly that. But he manages to bust on up out of there. Kaminari jumps on him from behind, obviously being threatening to shock him. Um, he doesn't he doesn't get around to it, but he's just like, listen, we get that uh, one for all is really important, but you got something even more important in your life. Me and you, we ain't got a ton in common, but you're still a friend. Even if we got to force this friendship down your throat, yeah. which I thought was a great line. Yeah. And then he gets all wrapped up by old uh, Octo Arms is what I called him in my notes. I don't think that's Shoji. Shoji. Yeah. He gets all wrapped up and it turns out that, that Shoji's got these like special, like, I guess, support equipment almost that Momo created for him to help him keep Midoriya pinned down. And he reminds him that like, hey, it was to it was to be sure that if Kaminari had oh, to, that he elect, wouldn't get electrocuted. Yeah, okay. insulated. That makes sense. I was Because at first I wasn't super sure, but that makes a lot more sense. Um, and I think Man, it's, I love what he says. His pitch is the best. Oh, by far, it's also the most logical because he's straight up just yeah. like, dude, it was you that told us that us combined could take on all my what makes you think you're going to be able to beat us? Yeah. Yeah. He says a lineup like this uh, uh, might even give all my to scare. That's what you said. And so he's like, now we are actually having to do that. If you're the All Might character, you're the one who said that us working together could actually give that guy a run for his money. And now we're having to do that. Yeah. And if they're trying to, they're not flexing here. Um, they're they're basically just saying, listen, we, we're doing precisely that. And we want you to understand why. It's not just, uh, it's not a show of force. It's not like, hey, we can keep up with you. That's not what this is. It's 19 versus one. It's barely an even playing field. Midoriya is not at 100%. No. Uh, 
but it's the why that they're trying to communicate, not the that. Yeah, they just want him to know that, like, it's the same thing that All Might was trying to tell him. Like, dude, it's okay to rest. It's okay to be taken care of. It's okay to be loved. Like, let us freaking love you, dude. Like, that's all, yeah. that's all they want. <laughs> let me love exactly. you. And, uh, like, it's so cool, too, because Tokoyami ends up using his, like, uh, Dark Shadow Tomb or whatever it is that it's called to basically... Ragnarok Tomb yeah. or Womb. I think it was the Womb, is it, actually. Is it Womb? So he's, like, encapsulating Midoriya, who is also tied down and has this contraption on him. Like, it's totally nuts but Midoriya just absolutely breaks out I mean they're trying to convince him to just come back and take a bath like at that point they're yeah. just like dude just shower like we can smell you from three miles away like how do you think we found you but but I mean he's not taking it Midoriya powers up he breaks free and they're all kind of shocked they're like holy cow that was everything we had right and so he's he's just flying through the air and he's understanding that like they mean him no harm because he says danger sense isn't going off. Like, I know you guys aren't here to to do anything bad. You just want to protect me, but I can't let you. Yeah, he it's not just it's almost like he says danger sense. And it is like it it's insight into motivations. And so it's not that they're they're willing to hurt him a little if I mean, like, I mean, this next move like, can't not yeah, hurt him. Yeah, I was Like, uh, you know, item A in evidence, like uh, Todoroki shoots this giant glacier up and ends up like, Deku ends up stuck in it, like with just his head sticking yeah, out. I mean, he, there, there, there's no way it felt like a hug. No, I mean, he full on just like, I don't know if he didn't see it or if Shoto just did it in like the perfect timing, but he just full on blindly falls, right, like not falls, but slams into this glacier and he's stuck there. Like his head's just dangling. And Shoto is just like, dude, what was that back there? Like, I can tell you're upset. What all of a sudden your immense amount of responsibility just doesn't let you cry what's that about and he asks him like you got to share that responsibility with us you were doing it fine just like a couple days ago why is it not okay now and even sue pops up on the side of a building and is reminding him of like hey do you remember that night i had a huge breakdown and i was crying well i'm not gonna cry like i did back then you know you're you are in a position where i want to tremble with you i want to cry with you but i want to fight with you too so that's good i love it and she goes if you're gonna go be a comic book hero I'm not going to let you stand alone. I love that. I thought that was awesome. Like, like let's all be comic book heroes together, you know? Oh, yeah. Man, this, this episode's so good. We haven't even gotten to, like, the the part that made me get all choked oh, up I know. yet. I don't know if you were choked up at this point. At this point, point I was like, this is heartwarming. This is sad. But, but no, it's like the second half of the show where I was just like, yeah, oh, F in chat, bro. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Endeavor shows up on the scene, and uh, Aoyama and Hagakure and Kirishima are all, uh, they've detained. Uh, Dictator. Oh, I already forgot the guy's name. Dictator. Uh, what's that Dictator. Name? Dictator. Dictator. Yeah. So, uh, and Kirishima's just like, okay, can can I go now? Because yeah. I have things I want to say to him too. I love that. He's just like, hey, everybody else is getting to yeah. say their piece. I want to. He's like, go. he's too far away. I'm not going to be able to get to him because he's not fast. He can't catch up. And there's this really interesting moment too, where Hawks is like, hey, should we just go ahead and send Genison to just end this? And Endeavor's like, mm, no, don't do yeah. that. Like, let the, let these guys talk it out for now. Just don't interfere, and let's see how this thing plays out, which gives. Uh, some more of the students, their opportunity to to uh, bend Deku's ear for what it's worth. And so Midoriya does end up breaking, he starts breaking out of the ice. Todoroki is just piling it on too. It's not like this glacier was it. No. Um, and I love what as, Todoroki says here too, because he's just like, dude, this could be exactly what All for One wants. Like all of us out here, that school is is not protected right now. You need to stop this and come back with us. 
yeah, I didn't like that line. I did. <laughs> because if because he's right. I like, I mean, I could absolutely see this being the opportunity that All for One takes. And it's a huge risk for all of these people to be right there trying to get Midoriya. Like, no way. If All for One doesn't have eyes on this scene, no way that, that this isn't a scenario where he didn't think about doing something. I mean. Yeah, I think. So I wrestle with that line in part because it, I mean, it, it communicates the risk. They're, again, they're trying to get. Midori to understand the gravitas of their their actions. And so he's like, hey, we know that coming out here means that All for One could just go and get all the all the people at UA. But I don't think that he would do that because he doesn't care about those people. He just wants Midoriya. Yeah, but this is the perfect place to get Midoriya. Because if he and that's what I'm saying, like, I agree that All for One would never go hit that school. That's not what he's he's in it for, right? But Midoriya is totally totally beaten down right now and you've got the top three heroes and basically one of the best classes that are up and coming and could potentially support those heroes in one small spot and the one person that can stop you is basically deadbeat i mean all for one could just nuke that place and all of his problems would be gone basically yeah that's true i mean midori is not in his in his best shape that's for sure yeah. and and that's that's exactly like the the argument gets there eventually where they're like dude you need to rest precisely because of the arguments that you're raising yourself. Yeah, like yeah. here, here's where Midoriya says the fight is between one for all and all for one. And uh, he even says, you all can't keep up, which he apologizes for later. But that's what the students are trying to get them to understand. They're like, yeah, you're right. And you aren't taking care of yourself the way that you should. And we're here to help fix that. Like, let us get you back to, you're right, dude. Like, this is going to be all mostly on you. But we're here to help in any way that we can. And for right now, it includes you taking a bath. Yeah, yeah. Man, and I feel so <laughs> bad for him, too, because like throughout this entire scene, he's just thinking about All for One again, telling him it's his turn. And he's just like, man, I can't handle the idea of my friends getting hurt by this guy. And and this is what he does tell him. He's like, you guys can't even keep up. This is a fight between All for One and One for All. That's it. Uh, and this is this is a really cool moment here where like uh, the kids kind of pull a neat combo and get Mineta up close to him to stick him with a few balls. And he's trying to tell Midoriya himself like what he thinks and what's going on in his mind. And Deku's just like, man, I, I'm sorry. And he just puts him down with Black Whip. <laughs> like what an emasculating moment for for poor Mineta. There. But I, yeah, but I like I like Mineta's argument here, too. He's like, I didn't fall in love with you because you had this cool power. It was because back when we were scared and trying to figure something out trying to figure this way forward that uh that was when like he's thinking about the the attack on the usj yeah. back when we Season found a one. path forward together and that emphasis is there the way you were back then yeah and uh i will uh, once again complain that the Mineta's balls rules don't apply consistently because it would be hilarious it would be jarring and it would mess with the tone but it would still be hilarious for uh, at the end of this to Midoriya to still have 10 of <laughs> Mendetta's balls hanging off of him from somewhere. That would have been awesome. In the midst of all yeah, this. Yeah, that would have been funny. Well, Midoriya starts using Fajin and Black Whip plus 45% to make what he calls the, the fake 100%, basically. And Ochako shows up and she's just like, look, I'm not going to let you go this time. It's not like with Bakugo when she, she's kind of thinking back to when they had to go save him. And she tries to hit him with her quirk, but she just barely misses and then they pull off the coolest combo that we've seen yet, where they use this massive ice sled, and then Ashido is like making some acid stuff at the bottom of the sled to make the ice melt and be slick. And they have Ochako hitting Bakugo and Shoto basically like blasting them down this ice sled 
blasts them into the air. And then as they're like up there, Shoto is is keeping them propelled. And then as he lets go, Bakugo propels them. And Bakugo's thinking to himself, like, man, I have so much I have to say to you, Midoriya. But right now, it's it's gonna have to be this guy because he's built for speed. And then he throws Ida just like skyrockets him. It was such a cool moment. And he's going so like this thing was already going fast enough to kind of have the like mock. Uh, area of effect in front of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like something entering the atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Ida gets blasted forward uh, after all of these like cooperative movements to gain speed. He gets thrust forward, kicks in Recipro, and he's moving so fast that his armor is breaking off of him. He loses a pair of glasses to yeah, all of his this. His cheeks are like flailing in the wind. Like, oh, yeah. it's, oh gosh, it's such a such an awesome moment. And and the whole time he is just like thinking about how Midoriya saved him, like not too many seasons ago, you know? Yeah, and this is this is where I choked up, where uh, Ida grabs a hold of Midoriya's gosh, hand. Yeah, it's it's even um, hard to talk about it now. <laughs> yeah. That 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 moment of like reaching out, grabbing him, and Midoriya's like, just let go. And Ida's like, I'm not. And Genium the hero will dash across the land to take a lost child by the hand. Yeah. And he says, because giving help that's not asked for is what makes a true hero. And that was a direct quote from Midoriya when he was standing over Ida's paralyzed body facing down stain. And that quote so resonated and challenged Ida that he's he's just by quoting that to Midoriya is is telling him uh of uh by implication Midoriya's effects on Ida and in his trajectory as a hero yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, that's like a core memory for Ida and what has helped him become the hero he is and potentially even the hero that Stain would approve of. Yeah. And we get uh Midoriya's like I I have to free myself from his grasp but I just don't have the strength left and uh, Ida still has a firm grasp on his hands. Uh, uh, Ochako releases the two, so they're falling. And Ida's trying to figure out how he's going to land. And Kirishima to the rescue. Uh, he grabs them and manages to arrest their fall. And even in the, even in the, uh, the midst of like catching them, Kirishima fi- thinks that this is a fine time to tell <laughs> to finally tell Midoriya what he wanted to tell him back when he was having to deal with dictator. And he talks about he says a while back this one story. Uh, threw me for a loop. Some kid my age dashed into danger to save a pal, and that had to be you, right? And he says, that didn't have squat to do with special powers or anything. What you did back then is the same sort of action we're taking for you now. Yeah. Um, ah, so good. And Kirishima is, he's canonically been affected by a similar story. Like, he was saved by Mina, yeah. Yeah. Um, who came rushing to. So he's he's being very affected by all of this as well. Yeah. He's got influences all around. And then speaking of Mina, she shows up as well. And she's like, look, like we just want to stick together. We we don't want to have anyone else leave. Like we just need to stay together. And he tells them all, he's like, guys, I wish I could, but I'm really scared. Like, I don't want to cause pain to all the people that are there at UA, but also you guys. And he says, things just can't go back to how they used to be. Not anymore. And that's a direct, like, that's the antithesis of what he had said to the, uh, the like, uh, the Ipano Jose. Yeah. yeah. Where he was like, I'm going to make it like, I'm going to make things go back that way. And just in a short period of time, he's, he's lost that kind of resolve or doesn't, doesn't see that that's possible. And it could just be a result of his mental and physical state for sure. Um, but yeah, man. And now this is where we get into the, the meat and potatoes of, of this confrontation. Everything has been building up to, Bakugo having this chit chat with Midoriya. Yeah, Bakugo asks him if he remembers, like, hey, 
do you remember when I got stabbed trying to save you? What uh, I said, he told him. Is it Midoriya told him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember yeah. what I said to you when Shigaraki hit me and Midoriya says, nope? Uh, he's not one to remember quotes like that. <laughs> but Bakugo says, it was stop trying to win this on your own. Yeah. And I thought that was powerful. Was. Then he says, but I had more than that to say, and he goes on. Yeah, he goes on, and he's like, yeah, my body moved on my own in that moment. And he says, I think that, you know, I should tell you that. And he says, growing up, I always looked down on you because you didn't have a quirk. You were always behind me, but it always felt like you were actually way ahead of me, too. And he says that I just didn't want to accept you. That's why I bullied you to basically just get away from you. And he says, you know, you try to feel superior when in reality, I was actually losing to you. And he says, after joining UA, not a single thing went the way that I expected it to or went right. I was constantly reminded that you were stronger than me, that you were strong and I was weak. And he says, it's just not something that's going to work itself out just by saying it, but it's how I really feel. And he goes, I'm really sorry for everything. And it's, oh. Man. So good. In both the manga and the anime, they do this visual where, as Bakugo is talking about, number one, I will say, before I get into this visual, so cool that he's like, back then, my body moved on its own to save you, when Midoriya's origin story is, my body moved on its own to save yeah, you, to yeah. save Bakugo. Um, but they do this really neat visual with the manga and the anime where they start off, uh, the two of them are uh, presented as their the youngest selves that we've seen them, tiny children. And then we see them in their like junior high, the darker clothes, you know, when Bakugo was burning, cinching his notebook very threateningly and throwing it into koi ponds. And then we get them in UA with Deku's little like chode tie. And then we finally get the visual that is current with the two of them in their hero costume standing face to face. And that little progression was so good. Uh, man, I'm telling you, this these... Season six has been freaking amazing. It really has been. I'm so uh, sad to know and, we only have two more episodes left. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and this is just one of those instances where, like, is is there action going on? Yeah. And it's done really well. Like, it's animated fantastic. Oh, yeah. The animation in these two episodes is incredible. I even told Adkins before we recorded, like, 136 almost looks smoother, if that makes any sense. Well, but then you still get... I don't think that the quality drops off in iota when it comes to these 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 pauses oh, these no, conversations not at all not at all uh and just that that progression of them through their these four periods in their life as this conversation was taking place i was like god what a good idea yeah. and it just it it fle- it made that moment a lot more dynamic um and emotional i would say i mean bakugo is surveying his life and his life in relation to uh, Midoriya because their whole lives have been adjacent to one another and Bakugo is apologizing for everything preceding this particular moment really. yeah it's such and so it's well just done so good it is. oh my gosh well, I love what he continues on with like in even better words as well like I, I know that sounds weird but like he he tells Midoriya look you've done nothing wrong since getting one for all well, nothing at all but right now you're super unsteady and there's a wall you can't overcome with just ideals. He goes, like, you guys, he says, you know, we'll we'll help you. We'll help you take care of things. We'll help you overcome that wall, but you have to come back with us. We will save you. We absolutely will, and we will save all the people at UA too. And Deku go Deku go. <laughs> Deku Deku <laughs> says, you know, Bakugo is You did it again. God, I did. <laughs> Jeez. Deku just says, Bakugo, you've already surpassed me. 
so much. And I loved that. I thought that was awesome. And he falls and he's starting to fall and Bakugo runs up and catches him. And gosh, it's, it's great. Deku, even at this moment, is just like, Oh, I'm really sorry. I told you guys you couldn't help <laughs> the way he sounded so defeated when he apologized too. it was just so sincere. Uh, yeah. And he just collapses into Bakugo's arms. Baku Deku people are eating this panel up. I'm sure. Yes. What did I say? Deku go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and he, he finally comes to, well, before he comes to, we have Momo saying, you know, our first challenge is cleared, but the road ahead is going to be perilous. And we see a very determined Ochako's just like, hey, I'm ready for the next obstacle. Bring yeah, and then the biggest and, reveal uh, in My Hero history. I know. <laughs> Who was expecting a 13 face reveal? Out of nowhere. I don't even think that I thought 13 had we a face un- underneath. We theorized <laughs> about this like way back in our early AMP history. Where we were like, what is 13? Like, is that a quirk? Is that support? Is that like, what is happening here? Here. And now we know it's just a costume. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she just drops. The, I mean, she drops it casually. She had every opportunity every other time we've been around her, and she just keeps kept that lid locked yeah. down. And so it's like, very jarring. Like I was like, what? In, in my mind, for some reason, I com- was comparing thirteen to like Red Tornado. Like maybe it was from from uh, DC. If you're familiar, it's he's kind of this like robot AI that that was created. And I I don't think thirteen was created, but I assumed that there was not a human there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought that it affected. I thought that she was basically a black yeah. hole inside of that back inside of that suit where she lifted up her little finger tip panel things, and the vacuum that was her body was how things were affected. But now I realize she's just in an astronaut suit because she has black hole powers. And I guess that makes sense. It follows, it tracks, but like I didn't expect it at all. Me neither. I was (laughs) shocked. Me too. Shocked. Me too, yeah. Uh, But 13 is there and, uh, you know, they basically explain that the heroes outside the shelter are, not the heroes, 13 basically explains that the people that are outside of the UA shelter are really anti-hero, that they're not going to be able to get them in. Those people are there trying to like protect themselves or whatever. But the people that are inside are really just there for protection. However, there have been these like gangs kind of forming between all of the various groups on the inside. And I don't know that we really get more than that. I'm kind of interested to see if more comes from that in the next two episodes. Like, is there inner turmoil in the UA, you know, high school from all these people that are there? I'm sure there is. Uh, but like as 13 is going on about this, um, she's kind of explaining that like everyone is doing the best they can to take care of these people. And I think one of the kids even mentions that they're going to start trying to team up with some of the other uh, high schools. I think Shiketsu High has mentioned. Sort of. So what what is described as uh, Midoriya apparently hasn't been to UA since the barrier was erected or out in full force. And so Saro's like, this is just the tip of the iceberg. And Hagakure says, you'll freak out when you hear about the details because they say we can combine with Shiketsu. And that made me think that they're talking about physically combine with a school across the country. Like they're going to put up a wall in between, like like around Shiketsu and UA. Is this about to become like an attack on Titan and we don't even know it? (laughs) It's even cooler than you could imagine because I've seen it. Oh my gosh. I'm telling you. The mechanics of it are going to blow your freaking okay. mind, but it's it's so cool. But yeah, that's what Hagakari is kind of hinting at. They they say, she's, she treats it like a rumor, they say we can combine with Shiketsu. And in one of the next two episodes, I'm sorry for having watched ahead. I know I broke the rules, but I wanted to keep the conversation in the uh, Discord going. That's so. fair. We're, we're a little behind, so, so um, yeah, no. Yeah, we are, we are. So uh, so yeah, like they, they get into the... the 
the rest of the iceberg in one of the next two episodes, and it's fascinating. Okay, I'm really excited for the next two then. Well, at this point, Midoriya is just straight up like, guys, I can't go back. And literally, we start to hear people on the other side of this wall saying the same thing. They're like, do not let that kid in here. Like, the principal guaranteed our safety. Don't let him in. Someone says, like, why are they about to let this bomb in? You know, I mean, if they're going to hide him, do it somewhere else. Like, none of the people inside want Midoriya there. And I think there's a moment where President Mike is trying to, like, calm people down. And even he's just like, oh, my God, this is way too, this is a crowd, like a mass amount of people saying, do not let this kid back in to the point where Class 1A can hear it on the other side of this barrier. I mean, there's got to be a huge amount of distance between them and the people on that barrier. It's nuts. Well, at the end of the episode, they they are inside. Of oh, the they barrier. are. OK, I thought they were on the outside, mm-hmm. like leading him in. OK. Um, but Ochako just says that like they're not gonna let him go. Like, and she she ends the the episode. She grabs his hand just like Ida had before. Yeah, and and the episode ends with her saying like, when heroes are suffering, who protects the heroes? And and that was something that she had kind of speculated or asked silently to herself when she first read Midoriya's letter. She didn't finish that sentence back then, uh, but that was that was a thought that she had upon reading um, Deku's Dear John to Class One A. And uh, so now that whatever that resolution that she displayed uh, to Momo when Momo was like, all right, this is just the first obstacle. We see that redoubled here. Like she's turned and she's going to handle some business. And like, I wish I could speculate about what she's going to do because I know what she's going to do. But it's 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 fantastic. It's been a long time since I think we've had like a really solid Ochako moment and we're about to get a solid ass Ochako moment. Fantastic. Absolutely. I'm, I'm super excited uh, to kind of like finish out this season. I don't want it to end. Admittedly, I've really enjoyed season six, but I, I can't wait to get to season seven, man. Like season six has been the best. Season. Yeah, I, I think even you throughout this, uh, the past, what, like 20 ish episodes of AMP, if it's that many, I think several times you've been like, OK, this is now in my top five. This is now in my top. Yeah, five. Uh, like your whole top five is season six at this point. Right? It's so good. <laughs> I, I would have a hard time hearing an argument contrary to uh, like that would argue that season six isn't the best season of the anime um, because it's it does it does it does everything and it does m- the vast majority of it really well. There are some things that I think it dropped the ball on a little bit here and there, but for the most part, it's been fascinating entertainment. It's been really well paced, like at times it was f- absolute breakneck. Yeah. Like the first six, seven episodes were like holding on to a roller coaster without the little safety belt yeah. on. Um, but when it slowed down, it, it did so well and it, it dwelled on things that needed to be dwelt upon. And, and it's expanded f- so much. I mean, gosh. yeah. And we felt things yeah. like in previous, like there, there were whole giant chunks of previous seasons where we didn't have to feel anything. Cause there's nothing to feel. It was class one, a and one B punching each other for fun. You know, um, and we are we're way beyond that in chapter or in season six. It's it's been phenomenal. I have no idea what chapter or what uh, I keep saying chapter what uh, season seven is going to hold. Well, I do know a little bit. Um, so I I had said that there were a couple things spoiled for me on in the Twitters um, over the years. One of them being Lady Nagant. I just knew that she showed up and uh, that she had a power that was related to guns. Didn't know what how, why she came on the scene. Now that we know all that stuff. There's one last thing that I know about a character that comes onto the scene um, and they show up very last thing in the last episode. of season Okay, six. cool. I'm excited to see that for sure. 
yeah, and I don't don't know anything else. Don't know what the power is. Don't like I just know two things about them. Well, I guess three. I know their gender. I know their hero name, and I know where they're from. And that's it. That's the, the full extent um, of what I know about this character. And you will get to meet that person next time we sit down and record for the AMP. Well, before we do that, why don't you give us a couple of quirkles? I I didn't have to, man. Our Discord's been. Solid. Um, I hope I didn't miss one. I went back through and was combing, and I saw where Thunderstorm had asked if if there were still time to submit a Corkle, and I didn't see where he actually did one. So Thunderstorm, if you're listening, you did. Uh, just ping me, and I'll I'll remedy it um, uh, in the next episode. But we did get some submissions. First one from uh, Black Rain, our friend uh, Brian uh, Brian, who has uh, got that uh, Gold Digger Comics Universe review podcast that I mentioned yeah. at the top. Uh, regular contributor to the Corkles as well. Um, he submitted one that he told me in advance was going to be one that would cause me uh, great distress and and uh, give me nightmares. It is called Salsa Dance. They're pulling from uh, February words for this particular list. So uh, Salsa Dance. This is a dancing body control quirk. You have the ability to control or make other people dance with you. You first have to make physical uh, contact with the person you wish to control. Skin-to-skin touch works best for the effect to happen uh, almost instantly or through the clothing, but that can take a few seconds longer depending on how many layers of clothing that person is wearing. One thing that is required for this quirk to be used is that the quirk use needs to be in constant, the quirk user needs to be in constant contact with the person they're trying to control. If they let go of their body or are forced to break contact with them and are not able to reconnect with the person that you have control over within 30 seconds, uh, that person will recover, uh, regaining control of their body. So in effect, like you can dance and you can like do the twirl where you let go of them and they like spin off elsewhere and you can kind of bring them back in, like reel them back in a little bit. You can play the little fish. You know, the, you know, that silly fish, like reeling in a fish dance yeah, thing. Yeah. You could do that so long as you reel them in inside of 30 seconds, according <laughs> to uh, Black Rain's quirk. So he says, while under your control, the person has full control of their mind and mouth, but not the body. Um, they are a rag doll for you to dance with. This quirk is limited as the quirk holder can only control one person at a time or release their control to take over a new person. They also have to be in constant movement while using this quirk too. So you basically, uh, I think I've gone on record that like living a musical would be my absolute nightmare. And he's saying that the person with this quirk could just grab you and just make you dance with them. And Well, does it make you dance uh, like them or is it ragdoll you so that way you're, you're like puppeted out and... He, he said ragdoll, I think that... Um, but he also talks about control. Yeah. I think when he used the term ragdoll, he was just saying that you don't have control over your body. Gotcha. They can manipulate you. So you begin, I assume that you would just be a, an excellent dancer, assuming that the wielder yeah, is one. Yeah. And maybe that's part of their quirk training. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you have to be a particularly good dancer or can you just make somebody do, uh, you know, the fish thing or oh, uh, stock of the grocery cart or, you know, pulling the lawnmower cord. All You'd that have kinda, like the, uh, the perfect DDR partner. Uh, at the mall, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd have to like hold hands the whole time. Well, that'd time. be fine. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. You could do, you don't need uh, your hands to do DDR unless you just need them for balance. Some people hold it on the yeah, bar, I guess. Yeah. Man, I wonder how many people listen to this to even know what DDR is. We might be dating ourselves. No, surely bit. not. That's gotta be a thing still, right? I can't tell you the last time I saw a DDR machine. Dude, I remember like back in the day, I know this is a total tangent. Sorry, AMP fans. But back in the day, <laughs> they would put up like freaking benches at our mall because people would just sit around and watch people play DDR for hours. Yeah, I know that there are some like rhythm kind of games that require the use of the like Wiimotes on some of the Nintendo consoles for you to like, or or something like Beat yeah. Saber is a little bit like that. Not nearly as intense. But yeah, though, I haven't man. seen a DDR machine in Gosh, forever. Yeah. DDR, what a, what a thing. 
<laughs> so Raw32 uh, submitted Sweat Cash or Cache. I never know how to pronounce that word. C-A-C-A-G. That's cash. I call okay. it cash. Um, it's cache. Yeah, that's. Flavor yeah, I would say cash too. <laughs> so uh, he says the user is able to pull as much sweat out of a person's body as they so choose, but can only pull sweat, not any other fluids. Therefore, they cannot completely dehydrate a person, but can pull out all of their reserves of sweat. And he says it's not the best hero ability, but I did say, but that is a hard Bakugo counter. Yeah. <laughs> you could t- completely in, uh, neutralize Bakugo, at least at least his Well, because you're just pulling I mean, all the sweat out, right? Wouldn't that yeah, actually yeah. be horrible for you? Like, if you were to just pull all of the sweat out of Bakugo, he would ignite it immediately. Uh, yeah, well, does he have to... He has to be in... I guess he doesn't have to be in physical contact. No, because he just sweats glycerin. He stores it in his Yeah, gauntlets. he just sweats glycerin. So, yeah. like, you're literally just pulling glycerin. It's not glycerin, it's nitroglycerin, right? Um... I think that's what it is. I think it's called just glycerin is sweat. It? But I mean, like you're literally yeah. just pulling out his primary weapon. So you're pulling it all together for a massive nuke right in your face. <laughs> I think that would be a horrible idea on Bakugo. <laughs> Anyone else, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You could have your own personal um, sauna. Like, that's probably something yeah. people would love to pay you for. You pull toxins out, like totally snake oil salesman there a little bit. But like, if you wanted to, to go and just say like, hey, I'll just pull all your sweat out, get all that nasty toxins out or whatever, and then... If you had a if you had like Ooh, a, detox. a rehydrating yeah. quirk with like a, a best friend, you could open up a little uh you know Man, we need to do another totally mundane <laughs> use for quirks yes. thing. I missed that. Was that was fun. We need that's, to do that. Well you, hey, soon. you know we're running out of episodes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're just gonna have a whole episode that's mundane applications of quirks. Um a new submission uh, from a new uh, member of the Discord, White Mage, submitted Skull oh, Flail. This, this is a good one. Yeah, scolding, yeah. nagging, disciplining someone physically damages them. The more embarrassed or affected the person is by the scold, the more damage or for, uh, the further they are whacked. There is no actual physical manifestation of the words, just the emotional damage being converted into a physical, t- uh, a physical attack as if being struck with a flail. Uh, and they said pro is sick burns entertainment factor, which is fun. It's kind of like being a bard. I, I ran a 5e campaign where the bard was a um, like a, an insult artist. <laughs> and awesome. uh, that was how they uh, did all of their stuff. They would like they he, he even went through the trouble of like printing out these pages and pages of like top shelf, uh, like sick burns and insults. It was really fun. It reminds me of uh, Crazy Jane from Doom Patrol. She's got that one personality that can like speak words into metallic objects and throw them. Yeah. Well, they said that the cons were you have to know your opponent well in order to push their buttons. Um, but, you know, that's what reconnaissance is for. Um, and then Stricken also submitted one um, called Cash Magic. Uh, again, C-A-C-H-E. The quirk allows the person to manipulate the contents of anything they view as something used for storage. Though the quirk doesn't let them add or remove physical items without actually opening the storage container, um, with practice, it can be used to alter memories since people, quote unquote, store those. That's exactly what I was thinking, actually. Yeah. Uh, Being reminded of the true events overrides the alteration, though, so it's best used on uh, recent memories or ones with the fewest people involved. So basically, I think what he's saying is you can, like, reorder things inside of a container because you're not physically removing them um, unless. uh, the, the exception being the the mind, but that even that was sounded more like the quirks evolution. Yeah, and it almost sounds like you're not really even taking that memory or or putting something new in because you're just altering it enough until they've been reminded of the real one. That's a really yeah. good quirk. Yeah, manipulation like of cool. things within boxes, basically. Um, so yeah, that could be pretty pretty interesting quirk. 
Thank you guys for your Quirkle submissions. Uh, those were from the February word list. And as this episode goes live, we will be into April, which means that you can start submitting uh, Quirkles from the March word list, which will have been completed as of today as we record. And if you're like, what the hell is a Quirkle? What are they talking about? Uh, if you go to the description of the uh, episode, you will see a, uh, a, Quirk, a Wordle solutions list. And you go to the solutions to the Wordle puzzle, the popular little mobile word guessing game for the month of March. You pick one or more of those words, squish them together and pitch us a quirk and we'll credit you and read those things out loud on the AMP because it's fun. It's a, it's just a creative writing exercise and people keep producing really good yeah, content. Yeah, these are so cool. Through this, Use your so. imagination. Come up with some cool quirks. They don't have to be hero quirks either. Like they can just be mundane things. We like to come up with fun things like that. Yeah, usually if, if we're... If we're shy, you know, if we only have like one or two submissions, I'll I'll throw some in myself. And I always try to intentionally make a quirk that just sucks because not every quirk is if great. you can't tell, there's a lazy host and there's a productive host. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to wrap us for episode 127 of the a Yes, I am so excited for 128. We'll have the finale of uh, season six, but we're also going to be pulling our winners for the raffle. So be sure to message Adkins again, lazy, productive. And uh, <laughs> we will draw somebody and get that shipped out. Uh, so otherwise, we'll see everybody in two weeks. Yes, in two weeks' time, we'll cover the end of season six. Then we think that uh, the, the next evolution is going to be us covering movie number th- three, World Hero Socks Mission. and Ties. Yep, and then Socks and Ties, man. It's been a while <laughs> since we threatened it, but it, the, the, the threat just gets all the more real yes, but <laughs> as season six winds Realistically, down. we will find some things to talk about. Uh, I know that we've got a couple of uh, the Smash volumes that we could do, and so like w- there are definitely a few things. So we're, Team up yeah, missions. Yeah, we're working on stuff. Y'all don't have to worry. We'll be around. I mean, you don't have to worry for like another two months, and then then we'll be like, I don't Go know. Go listen guys. to Kyle uh, <laughs> That's, that's right. Maybe by, yeah, that may be what we end up doing. Uh, Although I will say, Adam, I don't know if you saw this, but um, there was an idea that got kicked around in the Discord that in this inter like th- this time between anime when we've covered all the other stuff if we exhaust all the my hero content then we just do my hero Ac- or yeah, amp presents and we watch you know the first season of something and we just talk about that that I'd anime be that. that'd be fun uh, so that could be fun. maybe that uh, would maybe be we... the only way that we talk about your silly puff pastry anime. Oh, that, that uh... looks so much fun <laughs> i think the episode the first episode either came out this weekend or is coming out this weekend or maybe next i want to watch that that sounds like a blast well, that's that's how we'll do it um, if we get yeah. around. To so it. maybe what we ought to do if if we get to that point, we come up with like five animes that we the two, you and I agree on, and then we let everyone in the Discord vote, and that'll be the one we cover. That sounds like fun yeah. So me. even more incentive, go join the Discord because there's cool stuff happening in there. Always. All right, everybody, have a good couple of weeks. See you guys. Bye.